Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Nonly Podcast. I don't actually know what episode we're on. Is it 116, maybe? Or it could be 117. I've lost count. It's so many that we've done. It's Chris and Smith sitting in the square mile. Uh, we're recording slightly different uh, this week. We're recording a group call on uh, Skype because in a minute we'll introduce a special guest. Yeah, Greg Bartrow, Lee Jane Parfit, and Greg Fidak. Seems like quite a while we didn't record last season, I wasn't on the league before, so I'm just along the M4 there from James, it's me, Rob Overfield. Sad, rather comfortably, with a nice can in my hands, ready to talk non-league. Yes, welcome back to you both. Yes, last week I was on a plane, uh, but this week we have a special guest, and it's Darren, who uh, is up there in North Ferriby, running the fanzine. Evening, gents. You okay? Yes. Thank you, Darren. Good to have you on. Oh. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. No, it's great. We always like having special guests on to, to actually <laughs> talk sense rather than just listen to us a lot. <laughs> Uh, that's probably the best way of putting it. Wrong number then. Besides <laughs> <laughs> that, it's to stop me going off on one like I do most weeks. Well, I'm sure you'll go off on one at some point because uh, your boy <laughs> made it to the BBC this week. Yes, uh, I was slightly surprised at that. The, um, one of our supporters actually picked it up and passed it on to me and so, of course if the world had to find out that uh, mm. there's a, a feature on the... BBC Sport website uh, regarding Portsmouth Football Club about 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 our players. So it's a case of you know, in the space of a month, Jamal Lowe's gone from you know scoring goals, having fun at Hampton, to um, being called being uh, called up for England for England C team. Currently in uh, in Estonia at the moment, um, been picking up Player of the Month and to cap it all off, a transfer to said Portsmouth. So he'll enjoy October 2016. So yep, it's out there on the BBC. So it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> it's other um, establishments who so. It's a. Despite the living. This seems like it's an absolute age to ask me uh, to actually be able to get there. So, uh, how's the uh, the under eights doing, James? Or the under nines now? Uh, no, the under eights are yeah. Um, yeah, we're doing really well. We're finally getting the wins of the performance of deserved now. We won two one at the weekend. Uh, came from came from a goal down and won it with virtually last game. Uh, so it's really good. Uh, it's, such a good little group of players now that say every time I speak about them, how proud I am of them and how far they've come. But it's, uh, it's really pleasing now that, that the, the goals are going in and we're getting the wins that we deserve. They're, they're working their socks off. They're absolutely brilliant. I'm loving every second of it. Uh, so that's that's good. So as I say, we've got Darren on. Sorry, Darren, it's just our usual little introduction. We won't keep you too long. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. I know, uh, obviously, North Ferriby, uh, for anybody who doesn't really know, uh, is a small village. Uh, it's quite, it's, and it's um, what's about seven, eight miles outside of Hull. Um, yeah, about six or seven miles out of Hull. And as um, Anybody who follows the podcast knows Hull is uh, very close to me. Uh, I just live uh, an hour away down in Lincolnshire. And a certain Rob Overfield uh, hails from there and follows, uh, <laughs> follows the uh, the Tiger. Well, sorry, they're not allowed to call them the Tiger. The Hull City. Uh, nickname as oh, the Tiger. Oh, God, Chris, then. I, I could wind you both up about that sort of stuff, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's fine. So, Chris, then, just down. <laughs> So right away, Rob, you you wanted Darren to come on. You uh, um, obviously had a bit of a conversation with him, and we know it's a it's a local it's a local fairly local team. A couple of years last season, uh, they were the uh, Christmas Day Boxing Day uh, little goes, and it's it's a lovely little ground there. Darren, just out of, out of interest, because I've not obviously been so you've been been promoted. Um, what changes did they need to make to the ground? to um, make it up to the National League. Well, there was uh, an email went round at the start of the season to anybody that was in the um, supporters club 
saying um, we, we needed to find 1,700 spaces from somewhere um, in order to fit the criteria for being in this division, um, to which, to my knowledge, nothing has been done at this moment in time. Um, quite where we'd find 1,700 spaces from, I do not know. Mm. Uh, one side backs onto the railway, um, that's at the length of the ground either end, one backs onto an allotment, and the other backs onto a 3G pitch. Mm. And the, the, the fourth side is um, backs onto the cricket club where they've been uh, refused permission to build before. So ground-wise, we're in a bit of a, a sticky situation, which if you listen to the conspiracy theorists is perhaps why we've not quite invested in the squad as much as some people hoped we would at the start of the season. Yeah, no, earlier on, um, I remember that's all right, Kristen, you'll carry on. Um, I know you were saying earlier on, Darren, that you were, you know, the support didn't seem to be coming out as well as what you might be expected, and the supporters just, you know, were not turning up as, you know, in the numbers that you would have thought they would be, given, you know, on one certain Saturday, whole city were away, and there was nothing really much on in the area, and nobody really seemed to want to support the club. How much of an impact has that had, the fact of um, you know, having to fight for fans in that way? It's, it's been a bit of an ongoing issue for, well, for as long as the therapy has been around, really. Um, they've always, if ever whole city are away, they tend to get an extra 50 to 100 on the gate if mm. they're lucky. Um, it really sort of came to prominence uh, last week, or week before, I should say, when we played Bromley. Um, I think the gate was a little mm. over 350, um, and there was 60 to 70 Bromley fans so I think your hardcore of the therapy fans was down to around about 300 which is to be fair what it's always been for the last four or five years I have been watching them um, we just don't seem to be able to attract interest from disenfranchised Hull City fans or the locals or whatever Just it just doesn't seem to be it's a big bugbear of mine that we don't particularly do initiatives to encourage people to come along um, and, and people won't come of their own accord, regardless of what's happening at the local professional club or whatever, or even in their own village, to be fair, because they don't mm. get a lot of support from the village, sadly. Mm. Mm. I know full well the fact that, um, you know, among the hardcore fans from, from the uh, KCOM Stadium, good Kevin preservers, um, always enjoy the pre-season game that, um, that done with uh, North Fairby United, but, you know, I'm, I'm a bit surprised the fact that you know, you struggle to get the supporters in there. I mean, for as far as I'm concerned, football is football. And if you haven't got your, your, your you know, your favourite team in there, and if you've got a local one that's having a, you know, doing reasonably well, why wouldn't you occasionally want to pop down and see them? So it must just be me, just <laughs> got a slightly different view on things. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, well, it's a lovely I'm, ground to go to. It's a lovely ground I'm to go to. I mean, I'd go to any. Sorry, go on. Yeah. I'd, I'd go to any match on a, on a Saturday, you know, I mean, if, if, if Therabee are away or whatever, I'll, I'll go watch mm. Hall Road or something like that, you know, or Bridgetown yeah, or something yeah, like okay. that. Yeah. That, that yeah. kind of natural go and watch the next team down kind of thing. But yeah. I don't think it has that that, that follow-on from Hull City. I, 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 I think the people in Hull generally don't realise uh, what some of the doorsteps are, I think. I know it's an old cliche, but... You know, they're playing in the fifth tier of English football, the, the, the one level off the football league, and yet mm-hmm. people are oblivious. I jumped in a taxi the other week and, uh, to, to go to Therabee, and the bloke said, oh, where are you going? I said, oh, football, and I, oh, I was playing in uh, Therabee, and I, f- I forget who it was. All oh, right, what, what division are they in now? Like, you know, and I said, oh, the you know, National League. All oh, right, is that, uh, is that a couple of leagues down from, from Grimsby sort of thing? You know, and I'm thinking, like, uh, no, mate, it's the league that Grimsby were promoted from last year. You know, the Therabee mm-hmm. got promoted into that league. It, mm-hmm. it, it was as if I'd, you know, he couldn't believe it. <laughs> you know, I think it was, it was almost as if was all some sort of pub team. You know, it's yeah, exactly. It was it was almost as if you were talking about one of the whole Sunday League teams from you know from East Hall somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it just exactly. you know it just doesn't seem, doesn't seem to make any kind of sense. I mean, for once, it's not as if it's a hard place to get to from Hull, even on the train. It's not it's it's not a big not a big one out there. Doesn't take long, and uh, you know, got a, you know a good clubhouse there, you know, so you can always get a drink. And it's just a case of, I'm sorry, but there's you know, 
there's football on your doorstep, and all you're doing is sat, sitting on your backsides, watching Sky Sports or you know listening to five you know five live sports extra, you know having a good whinge about something when you could be out there you know watching a decent game of football, you know you could you, you can you can go down to therapy, you can get in have something to eat, get a program, and you know have a drink after the match. And you're still going to have change out of what you would expect to pay if you were to go to a whole city home game, and that's just to get in. I'm sorry, but I just don't, I just don't see the logic. To be honest, Alan, I'm really down. Well, just so, just just to yeah. back up some of the figures, uh, if if I can. Obviously, uh, North Ferriby uh, has a population of the last census of 3,893, uh, according to the uh, census office, and so. Their average crowd is just over 10% of the population. Uh, obviously, that includes some uh, away fans coming and stuff. So, uh, 491 according to football web pages. So, it's a it's a very tough situation, like you say. And to even the start you had in the season. So let, let's go with some positives. It must have been nice. I know you never expected to be pushing for promotion this year. But the start you had at the beginning of the season, I will say, shocked me of how well you did against some big clubs uh, with the, with the small budget. And there is no, there was always the average uh, thing for the last couple of years in the National League North. It was always, yes, Ferriby's got a small budget, mm-hmm. but how can they afford all these players then? Um, but now, legitimately, you do have. You've got a National League North, maybe even smaller. Well, probably smaller than something like Fylde and. Uh, you're looking at Telford and Stockport and people like that, you, you'd be a smaller budget, yet you're still mm. holding your own, and it's only in recent weeks where you've started to slip down the table. You know, I think, I think budgets, to be fair, even going back last year, was always perceived that, for some reason, Ferriby had this massive budget. But if anything, this the, the budget has been reduced by the owners sort of year on year, since, well, really, since mm. the trophy success. Um, as you were saying, there'll be half a dozen teams in the National North that have bigger budgets than us, and it, it, it shows in the fact that we've, where we've recruited our players from, have been uh, National North teams. Or, I mean, even at the start of the season, even in pre-season, there was a lot of NPL uh, players that were um, on trial. Uh, you know, one or two made it. You think somebody like Ben Middleton's been, you know. Uh, at the back for us for the majority of the season, he's ex Scarborough. You know, that's the kind of that's the kind of level we find players from Ryan Fallowfield's um coming. Um he's, he's from Conference North, at National North, Conference North as well. Um again, you know, from a lower division. we've brought lads through with us, um that, that were released from schemes, so people like Sam Topless, Kate Spirits and Danny Emerson were all playing uh, National North football sort of, you know, twelve months ago. Um, added, added on one or two, um, uh, we've got uh, Lad Wharton from um, Scunthorpe United. So we've, you know, we've had a few loans in that have, have been decent players. Um, of, of, again, have come from reserve team football as such to, to have a run out. But um, I think, as I've said, sort of off the record, I think we're doing uh, as, as probably was expected. To be fair, I don't think anybody's expecting miracles. Uh, the odd win away now and again <laughs> uh, i got to the point where even the odd goal has been nice just lately to celebrate never mind the odd win so we, there's no doubt we're struggling for goals but then it, it could be the head of anything couldn't it if you added a you know a 20 goal scorer into the mix then over the course of the season we certainly wouldn't finish bottom but then there's probably a dozen teams in this division could say exactly the same thing and we're one of them so that, that's where basically our problem lies Yeah, I, I do uh, trust how she. Um, he does have a players, and especially uh, when it comes to the the transfer windows. Um, youngsters and stuff he he really does have a a good eye and i know when he was at trinity he managed to gain some quality players really to come down to the north home and uh, and strut their stuff and 
you've mentioned people like Curtis and uh, Wharton from Scunthorpe, and Steve has very good relationship with Scunthorpe, so it could be uh, there's still there's still hope yet, because um, we don't want to talk about them being written off. It, it's getting trickier, but then we um, we've been talking over the last few weeks about York City, whose budget is bigger, crowds are bigger, and yet. A couple of wins and you're above them. It's simple as that. It's not. It's not a big ask for you Absolutely. at the moment. You're still within touching distance of everybody. Now, if you'd have said at the start of the season that come uh, halfway through November, virtually into December, that it would be four points behind York City, we'd have probably uh, snapped your hand off. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> admittedly, we were expecting uh, York City to be in a better position than they are, but. Uh, we're still not quite out of touch just yet. I mean, there's, there's still a lot to play for. It's a busy time of the year. A lot of competition starts to kick in, etc. So, who knows? Who knows? Well, that's 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 the thing to me. Um, I don't know, James. Do you have any thoughts? You've been quite quiet tonight. Just enjoying um, Robin and Darren's conversation. Um, yeah, as you say, it's. Um, it, it was always going to be a tough season. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're only four points off York, as you say. Um, if they can just get a couple of a couple of wins on the board, get some confidence going, you never know what could happen. Uh, it, it's it is a tough league, but it is a league where any any one can be any one. I know it's a cliche, um, and it's one that we tend to use every season for the national league. But you know, it is true. Um, you know, Forest Green might be nine points clear, but anyone could beat them um, on any given day. So it's you know, North Ferriby can be, be anyone that they turn up against. I mean, it's a good point at working, because um, obviously working down there as well, uh, if you if you had have lost that game, I mean, I know you were you were leading and you would be disappointed not to have, not to have held on, but the big thing was not to lose to, to them, would have been uh, one of your rivals, and especially away from home. If it was if it had been at home, then a draw would probably be quite disappointing, but away from home, that's a, it's a long old trick, uh, long old trek down, and mm. come away with a with a good point, I think. Shows a lot of uh, a lot of good mm. good signs for the uh, you know for the weeks coming ahead. Obviously, um, just looking at your, your squad on on Wikipedia, it, it's it's not the biggest. And of course, going through the uh, the postponement season that we're coming up to now, when injuries and suspensions might kick in a little bit, it'd be interesting to see how you deal with that. But you know, you're still you're still in there with a shout. Um, I, I, you know, again, a couple of wins games come thick and fast, and you know you're right back there. No one's no one's really cutting you adrift. I mean, you know, you've got, what, seven clubs now, really? And you're probably seven Southport down looking at the table. Maidstone are on 22 at the minute. So Southport on 19 all the way down. It's only seven points separating 17. So it's not going to take a lot to call, you, call yourselves out of that, I don't think. Now, it's one of those tight end to, you know, bottom of the table things that you sometimes get. But, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why Fabi can't get out of this. Um, you know they've uh, they've they pick up a measure of self belief in the next few weeks, and um, I'm sure they're you know determined enough to make sure it's not them that end up going down. And I said travelling all that way then down onto working. I mean, I'm, as as, uh, as as is known, I occasionally do some radio work for the local hospital radio stations. I was I was hearing you know some of the reports coming from that game, and you know you could almost hear them being you know, disappointed the fact that, you know, working hadn't won. I'm thinking, well, you know, that is that is a hell of a point to get. And it's on that kind of foundation that, you know, recoveries come about. And so, yeah, there's, there's, there's no reason, you know, why the team can't make something yet this season. Like I say, we'll see where they are by New Year and, um, you know, things might be completely different. But that's also on the back of the uh, normal yeah, just... draw with Wrexham as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we drew nil nil with with Wrexham, which was a sorry, go on. No, no, you're right, go on down. So it must have been pleasing oh, for Steve. Um, that's all I'm thinking. Uh, following the uh, departure from the FA Trophy a few seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was it was a good point against Wrexham. Uh, but, you know, they they barely played well. It was a bit of a they dug in a bit. They've, they've been a bit more um, found a bit more resolve these last few weeks. A slight change of formation. Um, a little bit more combative in midfield. Um, again, a little bit lightweight up front. But um, points-wise, I'd say it's, uh, it's sort 
two points that it possibly wouldn't have had if they looked at the fixtures at the start of the season. We, we wouldn't probably wouldn't have expected to get anything from Wrexham, and possibly not away at Working. Uh, although having said that, after after 89 minutes at Working, they're probably disappointed not to come away with with the full three points. But um, <laughs> it's been the story of our season. You know, you have to pay, you have to play till the 94th, 95th minute in this league, and it would be, we've been mm-hmm. undone a couple of times this season on that score. But that's something I just want to I want to raise that um, apart from there was a the Tory time when you went to Central Bank, you went down there to Lincoln, um, which ironically enough for me as a Trinity fan is watching three people on that score uh, all used to play for Trinity, <laughs> which which obviously is just one of those things. You've conceded, you've lost by the odd goal. Not, not conceded. You've not, you've not conceded a massive number of goals. You've lost by the odd goal on on your games. Apart from the Lincoln one, you've lost in your goal. Looking at York, they've been absolutely hammered, and they were hammered by people like Geisley as well. So you must have some pretty good thoughts going into the into the like you say the busy period. Yes, you've got a small squad, but. I would trust people like Cy Russell uh, to be able and Kurt, Curtis Bates and to be able to actually do this. The, the trouble you had at Lincoln is obviously that Ben Middleton was sent off, which didn't help. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think um, barring the Lincoln result, which was an absolute, like you say, an absolute anom- anomaly, really, and three down in us first 15 minutes, I think. So um, you actually take that sort of result out of the equation. We haven't been. We haven't been disgraced by anybody, you know, far from it. So, uh, just looking at the table now, a goal difference of minus 22. Well, if, you, if you take the five off there, you know, it's, our goal difference is no, it's no different than, you know, most of the bottom dozen teams, really, in South Park, the, the worst goal difference than us. Uh, and like I say, we've been on the back of a, you know, a, a six-goal beating. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we take comfort in the fact that we, we, we beat Geisley, so <laughs> yeah, which is probably a good job we did. Or we would be, you know, sort of cast adrift a bit more at the bottom of the table. We've got York over, as you say, over the Christmas and New Year period, so that will be a bit of a um, that that will be a test. Let's put it that way. But also, more importantly, money in the bank for you because they've got an average attendance of two thousand, so it's going to be a fall well, down there at the allotments. Yeah, you would imagine that it'll be a, it'll be a sellout with that. So I mean, if we're getting two thousand for that game and we're only averaging you know, four hundred-ish, then uh, like you say, it's probably the equivalent to five games really in terms of of the finance. So that would, would be nice to see a, a full crowd as well, and hopefully the players can you know can uh, raise their game and um, see what we can get out of it. Yeah, that's 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 the thing for us. Thank you very much for your time, Darren. You're more than welcome if you want to stay on for the uh, whole of the podcast. Uh, we're just going to go off and chat about a few other things. Um, some things you may you may uh, uh, have something to go on, like a, a manager getting a three-year ban for getting open 45 times, which is one that uh, James found in the Southern Prem. Completely crazy. Uh, not sure how uh, a three-year ban, not a lifetime ban, would be for that. So if you're more than welcome to stay and continue to chat on. If not, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. And thank you very much for coming on. Please do come on again. Okay, gents. Thanks very much. Thanks for the opportunity. Cheers, Jeff. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, fellas. Thank you. All right. So we're going to move on to some... Uh, extra things very much thank you very much to Darren for his time tonight it's been interesting to see uh, the uh, fanzine run see what's going on there at North Ferriby it's not very far from me it's it's close to your heart as well Rob and it's Mm. interesting how it's all panned out there and it's just they're not adrift it's it's so close and two two games Mm. it's all it is I mean it's not just that is it I mean it's the They've got 20 games and letting 30 goals, and as he said, was it six they're letting at Lincoln? Yeah. So, yeah. They're, only averaging, they're only averaging one and a half goals a game conceded. Um, I mean, mm. there's only one team that have let in less than them in the bottom line. So if they can find a striker... That's can not score the goals yours, then, because they let in... Yeah, but, you know, they, if they can find that stable striker to, um, to turn some of those defeats into into draws and wins and they'll, they'll be fine because mm. 
he's, he's obviously got the defence adequate for, for the fight they're in. It's just he's got he's just got to find someone. I know it's easier, a lot easier said than done, especially when bottom of the division to get a, a decent striker in. But you know, maybe have a look down a, a division below and see if there's see if there's someone banging in the goals there. But if you can just find that one person to put the uh, to put the, the ball in the onion bag, then uh, I, I fancy they'll stay up. Mm, it just comes down to goals, and in that situation, I'm sure there's there's got to be someone somewhere that um, you know manager's got his eye on that looks useful enough in front of goal to be able to get you know ten of a dozen between now and the end of the season because that's pretty much all it will take. You know, just somebody who will, you know, get a goal perhaps, you know, every couple, every two or three, you know, three or four games, just to basically spread the load up front. Because uh, the guys they've got there at the minute, are, you know, you know, doing their best, but they just need a little extra sharpness. And um, I'm sure that'll come. I'm sure that'll find someone. You know, with the with the connections that um, the manager's got, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to find someone somewhere. All I'll say is that um, for two and a bit year, well, for for two years running at Trinity, he pulled it out of the hat, and so I've I've got every faith in Steve being able to do that. Um, mm. Remember, there was two seasons ago where we had nil point after seven games and still ended yeah, up mid table. He knows how to wheel and deal and get the best out of his uh, team. But um, we have to move on to some other things and. The story I've already mentioned is just absolutely crazy. It's one that you found, James. You put into uh, it's actually it's so crazy. It was actually on ESPN. That's how nutty this one is. And how can yeah. he only be suspended for three years? So I'll let you take this one. Yeah, there could be a bit of a, a bit of a manager theme tonight, actually. Um, so yeah, this uh, this is about Nick Bunyard, who was manager of. Uh, Town and Polton Rovers, um, and between September 2014 to April 2016, he placed 45 bets against his teams. Uh, so he bet on them to lose um, four, 45 times in, in what is that, 18 months there or thereabouts. Um, obviously, the FA rules. Um, I'm sure most people know that the uh, the rules prohibit anyone that's involved in the game uh, not allowed to bet of any football match that takes place anywhere in the world. And even if that ban wasn't in place, you certainly wouldn't be allowed to bet on your own team moves, I wouldn't have thought. So, um, so if, you, if there's yeah, one I mean, that takes place on the moon, can they get away with it? <laughs> well, I guess so, because it's not in this world. <laughs> um, but he's, he's been... Uh, 1st of July 2019, he was suspended till, and he's been fined £3,000 for breaching the FA's betting rules. But he... Um, Hopefully, won enough to to, uh, to pay that back, or you know, unless that's uh, unless he's been fined what they found that he's won. I don't know. Um, he's pretty crap at this. Yeah, if he's only won three and forty-five bets. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I mean, betting on football is one thing. I mean, he can't plead ignorance to this. He would know that he's not allowed to bet. But then to bet against your team. I mean, a three-year ban, it might as well be lifetime because what club's going to hire him? You know, you're not going to hire a manager that's going to happily bet on, on your team to lose every week. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if you were desperate to bet, surely you'd do it through someone else. You'd get someone else to set up an account for you and do it that way. There's, I mean, there are ways around it. You don't, you don't set yourself up an, an online account, or, which I assume he's done, and it doesn't actually say... What he's um, whether he's betting online or in the bookies, but I imagine it was online because, to be fair, unless he went around advertising that he was manager of Froome Town, I wouldn't have thought many people would recognise him in the street. So I, I imagine, you know, he's signed into um, into Bet365 or whatever as, as Nick Bunyard, Froome Town manager or something, <laughs> you know, something like that. And it's mailed in, but you know, he deserves he deserves every day of the ban and every penny of the fine because those rules are not new; they've been in there for a couple of years now, and you know, it's it's a silly, silly thing to do. And that's that's the thing for me. It's not even that he's done it. It's that he's bet against his own team, 
And so, if you were the players on that team, who would want to play for a manager? Forget about who would want to employ him. Who would want to play for Beggar's belief, I think, is the, uh, is, is the thing that goes on. It's just completely nutty. nutty. Um, so this was actually released on the four days ago, uh, which is the 10th, is when uh, they put it on. And I'm just looking at Frome Town. Or Frome Town. How do you even pronounce it? I always call them Frome. Well, well, the locals call it Froom, so we don't want to antagonise the lovely people down there. Okay, um, there's not doubly, <laughs> so um, it's Rome with an F, so Froom. But... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that would have. So yeah, it doesn't say. Um, they've not unfortunately updated, although it is only Monday after the weekend. Uh, the team itself did bounce back as they went over to Hanwell and beat them 1-0. So that's a mm. good, as they put on the website, a difficult week uh, with a good victory uh, at uh, Central League side 1 uh, Hanwell Town. So it's just how did, how did the players bounce back? Because it could be that they've lost some games and now people are players in on it did he play younger members did he play fit members did he so even as a player who's been involved in those 45 matches you're starting looking at yourself saying well did he pick me not because I was the best person at the time did he pick me because he knew that I was, wasn't fully fit did he want me to um, help the team lose Playing with playing with a uh, goalkeeper with uh, two arms strapped to his side, etc., and stuff like that. It just, oh. it, it just, I don't know what would bring you to do that. It, 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 it smacks of desperation. Like you say, James, you'd at least go through a pseudo account and uh, get your get some distant family member to uh, vote, do it on your behalf instead. Mm. I mean, it's a ridiculous thing to go ahead and do anyway. You know, I mean. I mean, clubs up and down the pyramid, you know, as far down as you care to go, or as far as the bookies will open books on, I've always been told you do not bet on your own club. You, If you do, you must accept the consequences. He cannot claim ignorance. He cannot claim being unaware of the league regulations, or the FA regulations, you know, to put it in its proper form, um, to be able to, you know, give an excuse as to why he'd done it. Personally, it looks to me as if, I mean, this is just speculation. Does he do, does he have an issue surround, surrounding gambling anyway? Is it just something that, you know, he's just not able to resist doing? I don't know that I don't know the guy. I don't know anything about him. But, you know, it's one thing to bet on somebody else's team or the Premier League or, you know, anything else. But to lay money down on the results of your own team that you're in charge of and you dictate the tactics to. I'm sorry, but that doesn't strike me as someone who's necessarily in control of what he's doing. It sounds like it's someone who's just, you know, who loves a bet and doesn't really matter which team it's, it doesn't really matter what you're betting on. I mean, you mean, you would almost believe that the guy could probably, you know, lay a bet on two flies crawling up a wall. It's, you know, it gives you that kind of impression, and you know, it's a shame it's come to this. But three years, I would have hoped for five. <laughs> I'd have thought life. Like the players who yeah, we we had that um, conversation a few months ago about the player who bet against his own team, and he was in playing in the matches. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so it's just something that we actually covered in December, December 2013 about the betting rules of the whole of the um, it's the the whole of the the rules that the the FA had given down to all the clubs, mm. every single mm. club, all the way down to if you sign up and you're a registered footballer, you get a copy of it. And it was Lewis Smith um, 
who uh, was the person mm. who was fined 23,000 for betting. So he was obviously a little bit better um, at it. <laughs> and that's the thing. So it's not it's something that's come up a time and again. And that was only March this year mm. when Lewis Smith, we, we covered the, the story about Lewis Smith. So we're just thinking that uh, I know desperate people do desperate things, but it really is there a problem uh, within this. Is there a culture? Because uh, I know when I've been involved with uh, Trinity a bit more than I am at the moment, that there maybe is a little bit of a culture that they want to do it. It's something to do. It's a it's a fun lad laddish thing to do. Mm. And so maybe that maybe that could be the problem that they're not getting the guidance and mentoring from the manager, which, as we're seeing in this instance, is the person doing it. Mm. It could be an element of that. Um, but I suppose, again, as you, as you rightly say, a lot of it comes on the guidance, you know, a lot of the example that the manager sets. And, you know, from the managers I've, you know, I've been in contact with, you know, over the last ooh, seven or eight years, you know, you couldn't believe that, you know, they would be the kind of people to do that. But, you know, it's just, why would you want to you know, take a chance of, possibly being caught and end up being excluded from the game you obviously love. To me, the game itself is greater than, you know, greater than the enjoyment you would get from having a bet on them. You know, perhaps I'm seeing things slightly differently, but, you know, it's one thing to bet on a game where you're not involved in and you've got no contact with. But when you're closely involved with it, why would you want to even take that risk? I don't get it. Ask me. I just don't get it. No, I I really don't. And again, understand. you know, people, different people do different things. Yeah, it's it, it takes also. I'm not a betting man. I I on the I think the most sort of betting I do is buy a scratch card if I've got a spare quid, uh, or I need some change. That is that is literally mm. the the most I get towards betting mm. because the only people who make money at betting are the bookies. Otherwise, why would they mm. offer these odds? And there's, mm. no clever, there's no cleverer man than a bookie. Uh, simpler as that. And they all go the same. So let, let's just uh, move on to something that's... It's not light-hearted. It's rather strange. Um, it's something that appeared in the non-league paper over the weekend. Um, presumably over the weekend, because uh, I've not been home, so I've not even had a chance to look at it. Um, but... This was Edgware Town. It's it's quite far down. It's Spartan South Midlands League, so we're we're quite far down here. But twelve minutes into the game, the referee abandoned it. Mm. Not because anything was happening on the pitch, but because he was berated by somebody from the crowd. And I'm just really confused because I, you may be able to go off and check with your refereeing. Um, <laughs> you may go go and check with your refereeing, um, obviously, uh, friends, Rob, mm. to get a bit more background into this. I really would like you to do this because I'm sure that if the referee just went over to the head steward and said, get him out of the ground, please, he could have just got him out of the ground. Why would you abandon the whole of the match, which is not affecting just that one person, it's affecting all the clubs, mm. they've got to play a replay, they've got to do all these other things. It would be an interesting referees report to be submitted to the FA, that one. Mm, and there would have to be one. There's no question about that. I mean, it's one thing for you to have a flooded pitch. It's one thing to have, you know, fog descend on the ground. And we've heard of that in this in this season already. It's the one thing for there to be thunderstorms or a serious injury on the pitch necessitating the abandonment. And yet, this referee's gone and abandoned it because of apparently the non-stop and I assume derogatory and insulting remarks but you know, not, from not the other side of the fence. Not abusing him personally or swearing at him according to the home uh, Holmer manager Chris Allen. Uh, it's, well, I, I also yeah, heard that um, the, um, he, he asked the fan to leave but even the, even the stewards kind of refused to kick him out because he had done nothing wrong. Um so that's why he then abandoned the game. He even refused to let um, an assistant referee go check over his, his role and then for a, a backroom member of staff 
who qualified to run the line uh, to take the assistance place. So he's, I don't know what it is. He just he must have been out on the wrong side of bed that morning because he's just decided he's not interested at home. I don't know. I don't know what. Really, Maybe I had a bet on Nick Froom, uh, Nick uh, over at Froom <laughs> getting uh, the boot. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I, I will go and pass it on. I'll go and have a word with the contacts. I mean, I can't speak to him personally because he lives in Perth, Western Australia. But he's a qualified referee, and I'll send out a match report, and I'll go and see what he says, you know, see what he makes of it, see if he's been in that situation himself. But it just seems to take me out of the world. No, I know we give the referees a bit of general, you know not abuse but you know a bit of general hard work yeah. I mean I'm out of the three of us doing the podcast this evening I mean I assume you probably did Kristen, but you know I get contact with the referees every week and you know most of them are just ordinary blokes I mean the one we had on Saturday I think that's the fourth time I've seen him this season already <laughs> but you know for to be going out there you know you're doing something you enjoy because you don't do it for the money you know, they don't get much thought referees for doing a game at this at, at that level. And then to you know, to get a constant a constant stream of of remarks, as you said, games not personal or in any way abusive, but a constant stream of somebody questioning your ability, somebody making out that you're you know, you're not that good and, you know, what on earth did you give that for and you haven't a clue what you're at you know, and so on and so on. It just makes you, you know, wonder exactly the state of mind that that referee was in when he took the game over. You know, it's a, I mean, it shouldn't be a fact of the game, but a lot of the times it is. There are fans out there that, you know, for every little minor thing that they don't agree with that the referee's done, they will pick, you know, pick a hole in the guy. And yet, I, my, my standard response is, if you're going to have a go at the referee, is to ask the person, have you ever refereed a football match at any level? And if you say no to say, well, and then in that case, then you have no idea exactly what goes on out there. You know, you have your ideas of the rules, but, you know, they aren't necessarily the ones as agreed by the referees, referees um, <laughs> association and so on. You know, I've, you know, I've, I, I did a supporters game, you know, it must be about five, six years ago now, and whatever decision you made, you found out, you know, that no, there was always somebody who didn't like it. So, you know, for all the people that, you know, give the referees some, some stick and, you know, you know, dogs a bit. It was just a case of, you know, just take a step back and say, well, you know, have I done this job? No. Well, in that case, how on earth can I criticise the guy if I've never done it myself? I feel sorry for him in many respects that he had to resort to that decision, but, you know, he had his reasons. He wouldn't have done it lightly. If the stewards won't help and the home club won't help, what option do you have? Well, the thing is, just to um, make it, uh, obviously, clear from uh, Homer Green, that they actually... Their mantra has been quoted as saying they're not making a complaint or pressing anything against him because obviously they realise it's such an uh, unusual situation. They obviously want the FA to support and help uh, Mr Higgins as to find out what happened, uh, what happened and, and what really w- went on from his mind as to what was going on. So mm. although they've they've got to go through everything, it's they're not going to take it any further with the FA or make any complaints mm. because they're obviously concerned that it is such a strange situation for a referee, uh, referee to uh, take something like that. And, but, you know, because what it does is humanise them. Because there's some, there must, yeah. there must be something up for him to want to do that. Because he now knows, he must have known when he said enough's enough. Because it was only 12 minutes in, he must have realised when he blew it up that. There's a lot of paperwork, and I've probably got to mm-hmm. go for interviews and all this other stuff because I've got a good mm-hmm. reason for this. Mm. So, I mean, he wouldn't have done it lightly. He wouldn't have done it, you know, on a whim. He would have. He would have had to. He would have considered everything, you know. And you know, having to make the decision he did, he must have felt that whatever the investigation was going to be after he made it he would be able to stand up and back his decision, you know, with his own reasons. And, you know, as I, as I said, it's a, it's, it's, it's a sad thing to have happened. But it also, it also rebounds back on us as supporters. You know, sometimes we don't realise what we're saying. We don't necessarily grasp the effect that it might have. A lot of referees just, you know, you know, you, you you might as well sh- you might as well shout at them from six feet away. They just won't hear you. You know, they're just so 
so wrapped in the concentration of running the game that, you know, you can shout whatever you like and, you know, they've genuinely never heard it. And yet there's, you know, some people out there that do, you know, hear every single little word and, you know, you know really feel it. And, you know, sometimes the supporters, we go too far. You know, I, I think there's, you know, we don't realise that at times. We get we so excited and so passionate about the game ourselves that, you know, we, you know, we let loose with something to release our frustration. And yet we don't realise the effect it can have on other people. No, you Rob, know, I, I, you, I, I, sorry, Rob, you're just being people people at Trinity, all they do is berate the linesman for what he's actually done. Usually, nine times out of ten, 99 times out of these guys out there, yes, make the odd mistake and it can turn a game, but usually they're actually spot on. Because they that we we can they can spot things that us the supporters can't. Because we yeah. just we look we watch the game and we're watching and we're thinking no that was that was that was a free kick that was, and then we've seen it on in the the games where they video the games, and yeah. I remember everybody screaming when I was videoing a Trinity game and everybody screamed no no that's offside how can that be a goal. And it actually, when I freeze-framed it and went back and played it in slow motion to all of the fans, they said, how the hell did the referee see that touch that meant it was not offside and it was a clean goal and everybody stopped because they all thought it was offside, but she had seen, it was a woman on this occasion, she had seen somebody kick it and it bounced off and it was perfectly it was absolutely perfect. My camera was, thankfully mm-hmm. for a change, was in a perfect place to see her, the ball, the person who was supposedly offside when the ball was kicked, and everything just went... That's amazing that she made the right decision at that speed. Mm. 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 We don't give them enough credit sometimes for the decisions they don't make. A lot of the time because either we don't see them or, you know, we just don't, you know, imagine that, you know, that is the right decision. You know, it's the same when the shots for penalties in the box. From where I sit, because I'm very often, you know, in the press box, I can hear everything going on around me. And you very often get visiting fans, you know, screaming for a penalty for the softest of challenges in the, you know, in our team's box. And yet the referee would blow for another penalty in their box and you can hear them shouting, but it was never a penalty in the first place. You know, this is part of the problem we have as supporters. We want the decisions to go our way. And we can't, and very often we either can't or won't, you know, see the decision as it really is. You know, it's one of the things we've said time and again on, on the podcast. You know, you can't have a game of football without a referee. And yet we don't give them the respect a lot of the times that they really deserve. No. I uh, completely agree with that. Sorry, I'm I'm just confused because I'm looking at the uh, front page of football web pages, and they've got um, Curtis and Ashton are beating Westfields two nil in the uh, Emirates as we uh, record this on Monday the fourteenth um, of uh, November. Yeah, that's the first first round yeah. proper. I've just got a bit confused because. Um, it says then then below that, so it's got two games. Uh, Stalbridge are drawing drawing at the moment nil nil with Whitehawk. Um, but, it's <laughs> Emirates, but then it's got Emirates FA Cup. Kosh Olsen are playing Faversham. And then I scroll down a little bit, and it says Kosh Olsen are playing Faversham in the Ryman League Division One South. And then a little bit further down, the in the Allen Turvey Trophy, the Kosh Olsen versus Faversham match has been postponed. So I'm confused by which actual competition they're playing <laughs> but it's still nil nil so yeah, at this minute Mm-mm. it doesn't matter it's a point or a replay <laughs> so mm, one or the other yeah I'm a bit confused by all of that uh, as to to which mm. one that is James you said there was another manager story and I've been struggling to find it because I've been really poor at uh, making a rundown this week um, yeah well just quickly because uh, uh, we weren't weren't here last week. Um, obviously, Grimsby have hired Marcus Bignot from uh, from Solihull Moors, so that's a that's a great appointment for him. Um, actually, I, th- I don't think it would have made it into last week's podcast anyway. That would because I think he only had his first game at the weekend. But yeah, that just um, 
that just goes to show that if you do a good job, you do get recognised. Um, I do wonder how much of it was down to Grimsby being in the uh, National League recently and uh, maybe maybe we're well aware of his work. Um, but the main one um, it has been rumbling on now for it's, a, it's only a day or two shy of 50 days since AFC Totten needed uh, to find a manager. Um, it's been rumbling, rumbling on and on because they have been rumoured to be taking Alex Pike, who's the current Gosport Borough manager. Um, mm. uh, he's come out himself, Alex Pike, and said that he's spoken to them, he's interested in the job, um, and that he's, you know, he's just waiting to see what, what happens there. Um, um, but for, for whatever reason, I think there's illness involved with the chairman at Totten, I believe. Uh, they've got, I think they've got three or four managers on the shortlist. Uh, Phil, Phil Simpkins won as well, um, but Alex Pike seems to be the one that they really, really want. Um, but it's a bit strange because he's a Gosport lad. He's born, you know, born and bred at Gosport, so it's a bit strange that he's so open about leaving to, to, to move. I mean, he has been there for a little while, to be fair, um, so he probably thinks he could be at a stage where he thinks he's taken them as far as he can, but yeah, I just find it a little bit, a little bit strange that he's, that he's so open about wanting, wanting to go. I mean, Gosport are, so in Hampton's division in the National South and mm-hmm. AFC Tottenham, are they in South and West? Or are they... Yes, they're, I mean, they're struggling as well. They're 20th out of 22 in the, uh, in the South and West. Mm-hmm. So he'd be dropping down two divisions to take the job, which strikes me as a little bit strange. Um, I think Gosport are... I think they're struggling a little bit financially and I think they're, they're, looking, mm-hmm. they're trying to get a takeover. I think, I think Mr. Pike maybe wants months out before that before that happens but yeah it's been going on for, for seven weeks now it was the end of September when the uh, when the Tottenham manager left and it's 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 certainly not good for them it's not doing their season any good because like I said they're yeah. you know they're third bottom yeah. in the division now but you know they need to get it sorted quick and, and to be fair so do Gosport because if, if, it is, if it is Alex Pike then Gosport have got to go and fight someone so it's rumbling on mm. far 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 too long and it's, mm. it's not going to help anyone you know, it's not, and it's it's what it's doing. The thought in the back of my mind is that, well, if Alex Pike is willing to consider dropping down two leagues uh, to take AFC Totten, then what's going on at Gosport? It's a case of surely any manager would want to manage at as high a level as they possibly could, and yet he, he would be willing to consider moving into the Southern League South and West out of the National League South. I mean, it rather does beg the question, what is seriously wrong at Gosport? Yeah, we know they've had financial issues. They've had them for a few years. But, you know, I was also under the impression that Pike had some kind of financial interest in Gosport Borough anyway. So, so for him to even think about this and even have conversations with the, uh, with the, um, with the Tottenham chairman and, and board... Rather suspects makes me suspect there's something else there that you know isn't going to get out and we're not going to know about and it's just going to be hinted at by Pike's willingness to even think about leaving. I'm puzzled by this one, I mean, but you know, if, it, it, it's, I mean, if Tottenham were if, if they were running away with the division, you could you could see it, but the fact that they're even worse yeah. in their division than Gosport are is is very yeah. bizarre. And but he's, he's been at Gosport for a long, long time now. In fact. I've, Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I thought I heard that was he involved in one of the consortiums that are, are possibly looking to take over at Gosport? I'm not sure. I mean, they had the, yeah. that spurious um, winding up order, didn't they, a couple of weeks ago, and they had one in the summer as well, I think. But, yeah, there's definitely something a little bit off. Um, again, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just rumours. He has said himself mm-hmm. in interviews that he had spoken to Totten <laughs> and he's just waiting for the call to go there. So it's, mm-hmm. it's bizarre. But, I mean, if I was Gosport, I'd be saying, well, off you go then disappear, we'll get you out of our club and we'll we'll, we'll start building. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not going to help Gosport because, you know, their seven weeks, you know, they, they could have used these seven weeks to get a new manager in themselves. Um, you know, so that if, if it does end up being, being Alex Pike at, at Tottenham, then Gosport are, are going to be in a really dodgy situation as well. So it's mm. it's not an ideal, an ideal situation. I mean, he is widely... Well, very, very highly regarded in the area, um, sort of down that mm. um, Hampshire and, mm. and down that way. He's widely regarded as one of the best managers in in the area. Um, so, 
he's always linked to his, with jobs that come up. But yeah, to drop two divisions, it's I mean, after, yeah, it's, it's it's puzzling. But I guess it'll all come out in the wash, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. Mm. But it's, correct me if I'm wrong, James. You might you might have heard this one, and you might be able to um, tell me whether I'm right or wrong or not. But I'm sure I read a story somewhere in which one of the clubs in that area had basically told the local press not to bother even reporting on the, the teams. And I thought it might have been Gosport, but I could be wrong. It, it was Gosport, yeah. The Portsmouth News. Yeah. absolutely. Been... I mean, yeah, if, if you look I mean? at... Um, yeah, if, if, if you... Um, anyone, uh, you know, I, I recommend it to the listeners as well. BBC Radio Solent do a non-league podcast. I recommend subscribing to it because it's really good. Um, it's only about 20 minutes long each, each Sunday comes out. But it's oh, maybe, really maybe they should be telling you stuff. something. Yeah. Keep you, t- and, um, keep you two down to 20 minutes? Yeah, Whoa, it, never. Tristan. <laughs> but they, they had, be uh, nice, they had a, be nice. an interview with, with the chairman at, at Gosport, um, and in the interview he just absolutely savaged the Portsmouth News, said they were, they were lying, um, they just printed absolute fabrications of stories were not even true that they that they published and yeah he banned them from, from covering them He's, he won't talk to them they're not allowed at the matches you know and this is the local paper I mean it's you know it's, mm. it's not a good situation for, for anyone seeing but I mean it's a bit embarrassing for the paper as well mm. well to be honest yeah when you look at the things that they have reported a lot of that information has come from within the club itself you know, the problem about when the club's you know, player's not been paid for a couple of weeks. Apparently that came from Pike himself. Um, and, you know, the issues over money during the summer came from the chairman. So it's a case of, you know, what stories have the Portsmouth News sent out that annoyed Gosport Borough? And if there is something there that the Portsmouth News know about, is this an overreaction by the Gosport chairman? You know, it's a case of the news will out eventually. But that is not the way to do it. You do not antagonise your local press. I wish Hampton had local press at the moment. The local sports, local weekly paper, Richmond Twickenham Times, have got no sports editor. They're practically not covering sports at all. Recent weeks, look, they've been doing, and this is at Richmond, Twickenham, South West London, all of the sport in the paper is Sutton United. Excuse me. So Gosport shouldn't really bite off the hand that gives them free publicity. You may not agree with what they write, and in that case, then it's more in your interest to tell them exactly what is right, than going and biting them like this and savaging them like a dog at a postman. I'm sorry, but you know I don't understand where they take it out on the press when a lot of the information appears to come from within their own club. Just, the Portsmouth News asked Gosport to could basically to come forward and say, well, in that case, then. Tell us what you what you're accusing what you're accusing us of lying about, and nothing's been said. The thing so I think you've got it's uh, got a problem there. Question is, what is the problem, and how is it going to be solved in that club? I'm not sure, and I don't think we're going to be able to find out because the, the, basically the local press are desperate for stories because most of the local press is now under serious advertising pressures they're under yeah. editorial pressures they yeah. realize that facebook and well not wrong so yeah it's just really facebook is where and twitter it serves such a great purpose because you don't get good stories from facebook you get clickbait crap Devil spawn in the next. It's one or the other. You've you've got to treat them fairly and just give them the facts. They will worry where they worry and they need to make because I don't I feel I feel for him because 
You're saying about the, your local press, Rob, covers Sutton United. Our local sports editor, he tries his damn hardest, but he actually lives 25 miles away. He's not a local. Mm. Our local paper is run from Sheffield now. Actually, so, yeah, sorry. It's even further away. It's 40 miles away. Mm. It's run from Sheffield. And so they mm. cover Worksop because the guy lives in Worksop and he goes to the games and he covers them himself and he contracts people to cover our games under the Gainsborough Standard sort of thing. But nobody's there. There's no real office for it. From other areas and you're just a number that they must ring and speak to. Mm. Mm. to me of um, stupidity and arrogance of the club if they think they think they can't talk to the, the local people who are the biggest free advertisers for what's mm. going on there I have to admit I think you know when you're doing that kind of thing you've really got to make sure that you know, you've got, you know, you know what the facts are, and he probably does, but, you know, is he necessarily being told the truth himself? Does it, you know, when you look at it, the, how does it look to the club's, you know, advertisers and supporters, probably who also advertise in the local, in the Portsmouth News, you know, that they're basically telling that the, you know, the club, basically, the club that they sponsor, that they've got sponsorship with, is also telling the the organ in which they've got advertising in that they're a bunch of liars. So it tests the advertisers and sponsors' loyalties. It basically makes them pick sides. And I'm sorry, but in a town like Gosport, you know, you've got all that competition from all the clubs along the south coast in you know in Hampshire and in Dorset. And you need to be working as hard as you can to get your message out there. And for you to turn round a local paper, call them a bunch of liars, accuse them of making up stories, and, and basically say you will not report on this club. It just looks as if there's something to hide. Not well, that the newspapers are anything wrong. And that's the problem. The club have not yet worked that out. That The more they keep going on like this, people are going to think of, well, what are they hiding? What's the Portsmouth News now? You know, and it's going to fuel the room, whatever rumours are going round. Most of them will probably ground us anyway. Yes, and unlike us, we would never report on uh, a groundless rumour just for the sake of having something to talk about. James, under the league.com. Yep, under league.com, still there, still going. Uh, under league on Twitter and Facebook. Do you want a, do you want a quick hand finally? You can give a quick hand finally. Uh, my quick hand finally is the fact that the FA website is down. Uh, Noticed that. Oh, okay. it, was on, it was on a minute ago when I was looking on it. Aye, it's not on now. Um, <laughs> you, okay. couldn't, access um, the FA, couldn't access the FA trophy job at lunchtime. It was, it was working a minute because they've redesigned it as well. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, how about a goalkeeper who couldn't play at his club because he was auditioning for Britain's Got Talent? <laughs> is, um, this is Matt Short of Moneyfield's FC. Um, oh, I guess better. He does get better. He uh, couldn't play... Um, when was it now? It was on the 5th of November. He couldn't play there again at Burwood because he was auditioning for the talent show and he was, he's, a, he's a magician who dresses as a clown. So he was... That was why he couldn't play. He returned at the weekend to the game against Thatcham and must have been wearing his clown shoes because he, uh, he let him fall as they lost 4-0 to Thatcham. Mm. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's when we came across my radar this week and I... Oh, that was quite a, quite a good little story. Well, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't be a friendly goalkeeper doing that, would you? <laughs> well, oh, I don't know. I do recall. <laughs> didn't, didn't David James get well, you've seen, you've seen him play injured? Like that. David James got injured from playing his uh, Xbox or PlayStation too much. Yeah, was it, who was it? Was it Mark Crossley or Mark Bosnich, something like that? Who uh, dropped salad cream on their foot, and there was. Um, <laughs> There's these players in Germany and that that have run themselves over with their own car. Um, 
which is quite impressive. I think there was one in Stern as well, he, uh, he was at a petrol pump and he did put the handbrake on so the car rolled over his foot and, and smashed his foot. <laughs> it, it does happen, they, they're not always about it, but yeah. all, but... This is true. Yeah, I thought that was just a good little, good little story, right down now. I think that is is that uh, all smoke and mirrors and he, he rather than getting the rabbit he, he didn't get the rabbit out of the hat he got the ball out of the net um, so, so yeah they're under the league.com it's been great talking to you tonight Rob I just lost. I just lost 20 seconds of you there, Kristen. But yeah, yeah, I'll still be, you know, still working away. I've still got the blog, which I have actually updated this last fortnight, but you won't want to read it. Um, but you know, hanging around with Hampton Vision, uh, yeah, going to places diverse as Chelmsford and Gosport and other places in between. So, but it's a case of you know, still carrying on. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you very much to Darren Nocton uh, up there at the North Ferriby fanzine. It was really good having him on today. You can always uh, go over and follow the North Ferriby fanzine at uh, at VFTAE. That's Victor uh, Foxtrot Tango Alpha Echo. Um, it was really good having him on. You can also follow him down himself at Knocker uh, Norton 1. That's uh, with a K. That's Knocker Norton 1. Um, it's really great having you on. Anytime you come on, if you've been listening to the show and you think, well, yeah, those uh, people need my opinion on that, please get in touch. You can always tweet us at NonLeaguePod on uh, Twitter. You can always go to the NonLeaguePodcast.co.uk and leave a message. Or you can go and just listen to all our back catalogue. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a little message on iTunes as well. It all helps. Uh, but really, whatever you've been doing, I thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.